Well, despite what the uh, bulletin says, the actual title of the sermon, so start playing prepare, the way of the Lord, is prepare. The title of the sermon for today, wherever the slide might be, is prepare. Prepare. So, a happy new year. And, oh yeah, I see some of you are like, what? She lost her mind? What does she mean, happy new year? Don't you know that Advent is the beginning of the church year? Advent now begins the church year as we prepare for the birth of Jesus. The church year is going to follow this story of Jesus through his birth and through his crucifixion, and through his resurrection, and then through uh, Pentecost and the birth of the church. And then it's going to send us out in those long days of summer and the early fall to live out the life that Jesus has taught us, and then it's going to come at the beginning of December and start that year all over again with the birth of Jesus. It's almost like it's telling us You start your year a month early so that your priorities are clear. So you know who it is who comes first in your life and in the world. And so I say again to you, Happy New Year. And I'm reading to you today from Paul's letter to the Romans, Chapter 13, uh, verses 11 through 14. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires." This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, I know you're thinking, well, this is a very strange way to start out Advent. We want uh, the census, and we want uh, Mary and Joseph, and we want uh, cold, no room at the inn, and we even want John the Baptist who's pointing, you know, and saying, prepare ye. But what kind of text is this to begin the first Sunday in Advent? Why would the church around the world use this as one of the readings for the first Sunday in in Advent. And of course, we have to remember that there are these two sides to Advent that are always present. One is that looking back and remembering the birth of the child in the manger 2,000 years ago, but the other side is looking forward and remembering that Christ has promised to come again in all his glory and complete what was begun back in early Bethlehem. 
And so we have these two sides to the Advent season, the looking backward and the looking forward and holding in tension the fact that you and I, we live in between that promise and its fulfillment. We live, as Paul would say, with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God, in the promised new creation, and the hope is that we're always leaning into that future completion. Advent has these two different sides that are always pulling at us. And in fact, if we take a little historical journey and go backwards, the early church never celebrated the birth of Christ. Did you know that the first recorded celebration of Christmas was in the year 336? 300 years after Jesus was the first time that the church celebrated Christmas. And Paul, if you read Paul's letters, Paul knows nothing really about the birth of Jesus. Paul is focused solely on the return of Jesus, on completing what Jesus has begun. And for Paul, there is this real urgency to remember that Jesus is coming again in all his glory. If not today, then tomorrow or the next month, but you all better be ready. You better be prepared. You better get yourself together because Jesus is coming again. And how will he find us? The night is long gone. The day is upon us. And how is it we are going to live knowing that Jesus will soon return and salvation is at hand? For the early Christians, there was this great urgency to bring others to know Christ, to be ready, to be found, prepared when Jesus returned. For the early Christians, I think that it was like a child on Christmas Eve, so excited because they know tomorrow Santa's going to show up and I'm going to be oh so very, very good. You and I, we're like that same child in July. You mentioned you better be good because Santa is coming and they're going to look at you with this sort of like blank stare and go back to doing whatever bad thing they're doing. There was this real sense back then that Christ was soon to return. And I wonder how many of us really believe that in the next month or in the next year or even in our lifetime, Jesus will really come in his glory again and complete what has happened. And yet, we are to live believing that Christ will come again. And so when we read this scripture passage from Paul, we have this tension at work, this urgency at work, and Paul says to us, Put aside the things of the world. Put aside the things of the flesh. Take on the armor of light. Take on the mind of Christ. Live as if you believe that Jesus Christ is going to come today. Prepare yourselves. Prepare your heart. Prepare your lives. And I'm afraid 
that in this season leading up to Christmas, we find a greater pull from the world than in any other time of the year. In these four weeks of Advent, when we should be preparing ourselves to receive the Christ child, instead, there we are. It's the, uh, it, it, it's the shopping Olympics. And we've got to be running from store to store with our credit cards and our money out and buying all the good stuff. I had the great misfortune on Friday of taking the boys to dinner and happening, happening to drive past the mall where we were stuck in an endless loop for about 30 minutes. You see, Christmas has become this commercialized buying frenzy that has become the meaning of Christmas for so many. I think if we went back 100 years ago, even 50 years ago, the sense of buying and buying and getting out early right after Thanksgiving wouldn't have been present. And certainly the early Christians, that would never have been a part of their celebration. And then, oh, we're supposed to put aside the works of the world. What about all that revelry and debauchery during the Christmas season? Party after party after party. I know that. I know what you are doing out there during during the week. Don't be, don't be, you know, don't be hiding it from me. I know exactly what's going on. That the world is saying, "Hey, come and have some revelry. Have a little. Would you like a little more revelry?" And so we have this constant party season through the holidays that are saying, "This is how you celebrate the birth of Christ." And yet, in the midst of all these messages to have a great time and to shop till you drop and, and to uh, eat, drink, and be merry because that's what Christmas is all about, there are also an awful lot of people who feel the pull of the world in other ways who are grieving uh, loved ones who have been lost who are feeling financial pressures or worrying about jobs that they will lose, who are facing real kinds of physical conditions, illnesses and the like, and all of this glitz and glitter of the Christmas season doesn't take away the reality that they face in the world. See, we live in this tension in this season where we're, Christmas, as it has come to be, is trying to tell us that all these fun things are what the season is all about, and all the while there is this babe about to be born in a manger and the Savior of the world who has promised to come again in his glory to complete all that he has promised to do as he has said he will do, which is to change the world and each of us forever. So what does all of this have to do with hope? Because this first Sunday in the Advent season is about hope coming into the world. 
And it is a reminder to us that the world is always going to try and get us to believe that we can find our hope, we can find our life, we can find our happiness in the things of the world, that we can find our joy in fulfilling the things of the flesh, in the parties, in the gifts, in the thing, eating and drinking and being merry in all the things we do. But the truth is, there's only one Savior of the world. There is only one place that we as Christians can hang our hat and hope for the promises of God, for life abundant, for life eternal, for death to be no more, for the wolf and the lamb to lie down together, for the child to play on the adder's den and not be hurt. Ultimately, Christmas is about this gift that tells us there is another way. Prepare yourself to live in that kingdom. And so here we are, the beginning of Advent and the beginning of the Christmas season. And the question for us is, how will we spend these next four weeks? Will we allow ourselves to prepare our hearts and our lives and our spirits to receive the Christ child again and to be ready for the Lord to come again in his glory? Or will we chase along? all of the world's ways, and come to the 1st of January feeling depleted and depressed because the world is still with us. If we prepare ourselves, we just might find that on Christmas Day, Christ, our Lord, comes into the world again, and changes everything. You have been given today a purple cord. And I just invite you to wrap it around your wrist, hang it from your rearview mirror, put it on your door or on your mantle where you can see it. So throughout this Advent season, it might be a reminder to you that Jesus, our Lord, the perfecter of our lives, the Savior of the world, is coming again and asks us to be ready. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.